This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufal and Stephen Maresca. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufal, joined, as always, by Steve Maresca. I try to give inflection every time <laughs> to see if I can make you smile or do something. Uh, and we've also got Crystal Racine today, uh, account executive with Vancord. Uh, we're here to talk I guess, what do we call it? The, the NERCOMP 2023 debrief. Uh, so our experiences, will. all things experiences NERCOMP. Um, f- you know, for me, it, it's always a good event for me. I, I had the chance of, of sitting on the NERCOMP board for a while while I was at UConn. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people there. It's always really, for me personally, enjoyable just to catch up with everybody. So, Jason, what is NERCOMP? NERCOMP's the Northeast Regional Computing Program. Uh, really, it's a, I'll call it a smaller version of EDUCOS, right? It's more localized uh, Pennsylvania up through Maine uh, kind of collaboration of higher education, uh, you know, really for learning and probably support within the IT environment. Those kind of the two big missions, uh, you know, training and learning. So, you know, I'm curious I always have to separate myself a bit because really there is that, there's that big personal aspect for me. I, I, it is so much fun to catch up with everybody. Um, curious what your perspectives just to the conference in general were, you know, pretty quick. You're in and out. Uh, I mean, I struggle the same way. I did a lot of former colleagues there. It was nice to see people, um, talk to them, just catch up. I think it's been multiple years of not very active engagement with peers in the, in, you know, public sphere. So everyone was really, quite cordial and happy to be together in the same place. Absolutely. And with no masks. So that's uh, And with a no masks. Change. Yeah, the previous yeah. ones had masks. Yeah. And, and I think they, I don't know if they quite hit their pre-pandemic number, but I know they were really close to it, which was nice. So they, I think they're starting to see a return to you know, normal, normal attendance numbers. Um, I felt like the, uh, the, the vendor, which is where we spent a lot of our time, right? The vendor area, uh, really well attended. I think- it's nice that we've been able to go for multiple years now because I think the reception to us was you know, pretty warm. I think there's a lot of familiarity. We're, we're working with a lot of those schools now, which is really nice. Um, I think the conversations were, were pretty authentic. I didn't feel like, you know, sitting on that side of the booth that, you know, that we had to be the salespeople as much as we just had, you were sort of security ambassadors. I agree. Yeah. Big difference from uh, my second year where people were going, Vancord to it's Vancord. So that, that nice recognition changes. Well, we, so and we were lime green then too. So uh, we, you know, we stood out, maybe we were more bold, but I'm not sure as refined perhaps. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, I know we had grand plans of trying to really do a, a, a large podcast recording session while we were there. And I think we, we scaled back and got a little bit more modest and, uh, Crystal, you took the reins, uh, grabbed the mics, and walked around and introdu- in, uh, interviewed a few people. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool because I got to meet with people firsthand, just kind of walking up and asking them, you know, what did they think as far as cybersecurity trends and getting insight. And the honesty that we got was was really cool versus it kind of being like a sit down and scripted session. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know the little mics they weren't they probably didn't quite feel as uh, formidable as, as standing behind these maybe. So I think <laughs> yeah. people are easy at ease. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think we we kind of pulled out three clips that we felt. Uh, I think that we that was thematically we probably heard a, you know a couple people speak to as we were talking with folks, so we wanted to play those. 
What would you say the biggest focus should be when it comes to cybersecurity for higher education institutes? I think that it would be uh, talking to the end users and getting them more aware of the issues that we have and we're trying to, to keep them from protecting them from. Outstanding. And the million dollar question of the day, what keeps you up at night when it comes to cybersecurity? It would also be the same thing with, the, with keeping the training and what they're, what they're doing and what, uh, getting them the information that they need and making sure that they're as secure as possible. Fantastic. Thank you. What would you say keeps you up at night when it comes to cybersecurity? Ransomware and threat networks. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Where should higher education focus when it comes to cybersecurity? We really need someone to contact when things start to go wrong. Uh, so if there's a cybersecurity incident and we need to know who to call, right? We need a big red button to push when everything's going wrong. We need to pick up the red phone and call someone. And that should be a partner that really knows our environment and that, that we can trust uh, on our network. Fantastic. Thank you so much and have a great show. Thank you. So I think we, we ordered those it, it, the way we did on purpose because I think, you know, everybody should start with security awareness. Uh, maybe that helps reduce the risk of, you know, some of the ransomware and other pieces. But, you know, secure, I, I would say security awareness seemed to be a big topic in general, everybody was concerned about that. Yeah, for sure. It was the million dollar question. I'm grateful we didn't actually have to hand out million dollar answer checks because it was a repeat offender for yeah. sure. Uh, and we and we do a bunch of it, you know, coming and I think honestly coming from higher ed, we probably have more respect for how important an educated workforce or educated community, you know, is. I mean, <clears throat> ultimately in higher ed, trust is the currency, whether it's for academic purposes or you know, security alike. So having everyone be operating at the same level of awareness is kind of integral to any sort of security program. And I, and I think there's a recognition now that they, you know, it has to be a core part of whatever training occurs institutionally. Right. And, you know, mandated training is a, a big deal in higher ed. So anything that really uh, makes it part of that fabric is important. Right. Absolutely. So the, you know, though, you know, if, if your training fails and then people, you know, click on those phishing emails, uh, you know, there's obviously the concern around ransomware, was ransomware and, and threat networks, right? Threat networks. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it, there's no doubt everybody's worried about ransomware still. It, it, maybe we've seen a slight downturn in it um, over the last roughly 12 months, right? We've, we've spoken about that on, on previous podcasts. Um, but it's still a huge concern for everybody. It, it you know it looms larger than you know the regulatory requirements, regulatory compliance requirements that they've got. Uh, I mean that I think that's the thing that keeps everybody up. Yeah, and it, it's the the lens through which you know lots of risk and uh, compliance is interpreted. Certainly, uh, insurance premiums have gone way up because of ransomware. <laughs> Tabletops yeah. are focused on ransomware. It, it's uh, it's the main specter and fear without any question and you know in the education side of things in the actual uh, awareness side it doesn't matter if someone clicks i mean we want we don't want them to but we want them to know that when they click that they're equipped to actually back away and report it or you know give early warning and that's the linkage between the two um, perfection is not attainable in that sort of thing but as long as everyone's vigilant you have better chance of a positive outcome I like that you brought up tabletops uh, because I think it's an it's the it's the tool 
that a lot of security professionals are using now to bring the community together and talk about these things. I don't think it, I don't think it was as commonplace. Yeah, really, even what, three years ago, for non-IT people to sit down and talk about the risks of some of the, you know, the potential incidents, ransomware, obviously being one. So we're, we, you know, we've seen now a lot more. We've gotten a lot more requests to do the tabletops. I think there's generally a lot of interest, and I think people are now approaching it from. Uh, convening the right community, right? Their, their discussions are, I'll make sure I have HR, I'll make sure I have legal, I'll make sure I have communications. Like they know the people that they need to bring into a room, which I think is really positive. Yeah, and some of that requires conversation before an actual crisis hits. So, you know, it helps that everyone's at least aware of their role and the, the sequence of operations, what things to say, what things not to say. Uh, pretty pretty essential, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like to say it's the uh, the uh, the adult fire drill. You know, <laughs> we all had to go out to the recess <laughs> the yard the for bus. kindergarten when we knew where to go. A tabletop is just like that. It really helps you to understand where you're going to break down. And I think that's really, really important to companies. You might as well find the, the, the flaws in your, yeah. your plan before it's an actual Bef yeah. necessity. A simulation right. prior to mm -hmm. the uh, tragedy. So, uh, you know, a couple of the things maybe that just jumped out to me um, from a vendor standpoint. Um he, there were there weren't tons of security vendors there, which which frankly the last few conferences I feel like I've been at has been predominantly or, or maybe security heavy, security vendor heavy. Um, you know, there's definitely a handful of online curriculum. You know, your canvases and et cetera. Uh, that's obviously there's a huge move there. Obviously, um, a lot of I'll call them high tech classroom stuff, which yeah. I think we probably would have expected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we just had an opportunity to talk with Maurice Simpkins from the uh, what, the application uh, fraud detection company. Uh, so, so some interesting, I'll call them slightly tangentially related, uh, you know, security practices. So, you know, that was really enjoyable. Um, but, but I was, I was kind of gratified to see that it wasn't just, you know, 25, you know, Firewall and, and identity yeah. management and you know security consulting because you know not that their conferences have been so heavily that way but I've seen a trend in conferences in generally be very security specific. I mean, heavy heavy uh, emphasis on learning management systems and other educational technology without a doubt. It's a continuum ultimately. I mean, kind of echoing the awareness aspect. You can't really deliver that stuff without those uh, capabilities in place to begin with. So might as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if, you know, for, for people who are listening who don't attend, I mean, I think it's a good, it's a good conference. It's not so big that you get lost. Um, you, you know, it's, it's localized. You know, that New England area is reasonably small. So you have a really high likelihood of running into peers. There's good opportunities to collaborate in small groups, which I think is great. Um you know, so that networking piece is, is really solid. And they always have good food. I mean, <laughs> honestly, they always, they, they always have good you know, food and drink during the vendor sessions. And, and actually, on the vendor session aspect, it, it, this may sound strange coming out of our mouths, but the vendors at NERCOMP are, uh, you know, somewhat off to the side. They're not front and center like they might be in some conferences. They, I think it's a nice balance that they achieve there. And I know that other attendees certainly appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's nice and easy for people just to kind of walk up and down the aisles without people jumping out or, you know, just trying to shove a product or a solution in front of your face. It's a very calm, welcoming conference it where is everybody that, yeah. is just really 
sharing information and kind of chit-chatting. It doesn't make a difference, you know, what school you're from, what vendor you're with. It's just a really nice uh, way to kind of understand what your peers are doing and, and understand what's going on in the industry as far as trends. I think that's, that's the beauty of higher ed. Yeah. I mean, that's one great thing about higher ed is they are, they are collaborative. For, for sure. sure. For sure. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if there's any other major points. I think, you know, our reception was good. The conference lived up to its expectations. Providence is always fun to go to. I mean, it's, you know, it's got good restaurants. It's great city. So, you know, if, if people haven't gone, there's, there's, there's a number of good reasons to attend NERCOMP. Uh, I mean, I think there are some other common threads worth mentioning. Everybody's interested and worried about um, you know, Graham Leach Bliley Act concerns, uh, some other compliance aspects. Um, people are definitely talking regularly about uh, staffing issues and difficulties yeah, in sure. filling positions. It's it's become more problematic for a lot of institutions of higher ed. And I mean, I think we had some productive conversations with other schools and some of our former colleagues on those those topics beyond what we shared a moment ago. Uh, we're in an interesting time where everyone needs to be creative in addressing problems of this nature. And, you know, NerdComp is a good venue for people to brainstorm together and share what works and share what doesn't. So we're, I mean, we're intentionally putting together a kind of organic podcast for this one in particular. Um, I know we did a podcast on GLBA. Uh, it's possible somebody didn't hear that. It's, you know, I think it's important enough for maybe you to spend, you know, half a minute on, you know, why are people talking about it? Sure. So GLBA in particular, it, it's, a regulation that governs financial institutions and the Department of Education considers institutions of higher education to be financial institutions as it pertains to financial aid. It's part of their uh, Title IV accreditation, Title IV funding. Uh, basically, if you're, if you're a parent or a student applying your FAFSA form, that makes a school or university a financial institution. Therefore, from the perspective of the Federal Trade Commission, schools are absolutely required to protect financial data of consumers and customers. That means that schools need to put in proper safeguards, self-assess, make sure they're doing risk assessments, coming up with incident response plans, doing cyber security awareness training, reporting on an annual basis, and a variety of other things that basically help to safeguard data. The rules are changing. Uh, there are some deadlines upcoming, you know, June 9th for making improvements with respect to data safeguards. And it's a landscape that's shifting. Uh, it's been something that's been forecast for the better part of five or six years. But, the, you know, the federal student aid office is changing the way that they evaluate and enforce. So that, that's the main message, ultimately. For anyone in a school or uh, university, you're obligated, even if you're not quite aware of that fact. And it's worth asking uh, your peers and other departments whether they're aware of that so that you can work together to make improvements. Right. Right. But but I mean, I, I, I absolutely saw you having sort of conversation after conversation about this. It, it's top of mind for a lot of schools. Absolutely. And it's it's tough uh, because there's a lot of uncertainty about how to go about making improvements and what expectations there are. Yeah. And, and that's the challenge with not having a sort of a, a ratified, you know, due date and you know, explicit security standard. I mean, I know they're talking 800-171, but, you know, there's obviously been pushback on that. So it you. I don't think schools are, you know, burying their heads in the sand necessarily, but I think, you know, some of them are definitely waiting for the dust to settle before they make any substantive changes. Um, 
I'm not. I, I feel like that's a decent overview of, of the conference as a whole. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have any parting thoughts. I don't know if either of you do. No, it was an all around great time and already looking forward to, to next year. I think that's a fair way to end. Uh, you know, if any, of course, if there's always, if anybody has any questions, maybe, you know, maybe not questions about NERCOMP per se, but, you know, tabletops, incident response, uh, you know, GLBA, you know, feel free to reach out. We're happy to you know, do another podcast on a topic that's specific or just answer, you know, individual questions if anybody has them. So uh, as always, we, we appreciate everybody listening and hope you got value out of today. We'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to get in touch at Vancord on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Vancord Security. And remember, stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.